As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. Understand, defend, and share your faith with confidence. This is Unapologetic from Premier Unbelievable. Thank you for joining us on Unapologetic. I'm Ruth Jackson. And before we hear from today's guest, just a quick reminder to visit premierunbelievable.com for more shows, articles, and resources. And you can also register there for the chance to win a free book. And if you enjoy listening to Unapologetic, then please do consider rating and reviewing it on your podcast platform. But now for today's show. I am delighted to be joined by Phil Knox, an evangelism and missiology senior specialist at the Evangelical Alliance. Phil is also the author of two books, Storybearer and most recently, The Best of Friends. Phil, in the foreword to your brilliant book, The Best of Friends, Miriam Swanson says that in the church, we really don't talk about friendship enough, if at all. Why do you think that is? <laughs> it's, it's, it's an honestly, Ruth, it is an absolute mystery. I really do think that. But let's also take a step back and say it's not just the church's problem. It's a society problem, right? So there's 10,000 books with the, with, the, with the word leadership in the title. There's hardly any with the word friendship in the title. You know, we, the, we talked about the poverty of, of music in our playlists around friendship. We're not good at talking about friendship. I, I just, it's a, honestly, it is a mystery. You know, <laughs> for me, it is the most important, least talked about uh, relationship in the church and the world. And I'm on a personal crusade to try and, you know, as success in 10 years looks like for me, have, have most Christians heard a sermon on friendship? Have they done a small group study on friendship? Uh, because I think it is a huge untapped area of potential within the church. Because if we're great friends with people, we we get better discipleship, better evangelism, better unity, better leadership, a more diverse church. Jesus can come again. Hallelujah. <laughs> I mean, really, the church should probably be leading the way in friendship, right. should it not? Absolutely. Well, we what you know, we have the relational God who lives inside us. Uh, you know, Jesus said, "By this, all people will know that you're my disciples." The way that you love one another. You know, I really think I really think we should. And church is only one of two institutions left in society where you get people from every background story and the perfect melting pot for uh, for, for great friends uh, to be made. Phil, friend may not be the first word that springs to mind when some people think of God, but that's clearly a really important part of God's character for you, that the friendship yeah. of God. Why is it so important for you? Yeah, I think again, it's been a it's been a reflection over the last few years as I've written the book, really, and and was really struck by a quote I read from A. W. Tozer, who said, "What comes to our mind when we think about God 
is the most important thing about us. <laughs> That's a, it's a big statement, right? And and it's no surprise, I think, that when we try to get our heads around the all creating, all consuming, all powerful, all present God of the universe, there's lots of different images that God gives us. And so for me personally, father, you know, savior, provider, creator, sustainer. But we don't often think about God as our friend, but it's really important because Jesus, John 15, um, twice in John 15, Jesus says, I've called you friends. And, and for the disciples, I think there'd have been moments where Jesus said that way. He's like, they're like, what did he really say that? There's no other record in the first century of a, of a rabbi calling their disciples friends. And so I think for me, that opens up a world of, of, of just discovery when we think about our relationship with God and viewing him through that lens. I really hope and pray that that kind of that's a real encouragement to people and that we can really press into that paradigm, you know, not at the expense of others. I think the danger with it is God can become the Lord Almighty rather than the Lord Almighty. You know, we, <laughs> we don't want to, you know, we don't want to sanitize or kind of get, you know, too chummy with God, if you like. There's an important kind of, you know, God is both personal, but he's also powerful. Uh, we need to recognize that tension, but it's a really important paradigm, I think, to look at. So how do we get that balance then, do you think? Through uh, reading the Bible, <laughs> it's a stupid, it's, a, it's not stupid, it's not, it wasn't a stupid question. It was just, it seems like an overly simplistic answer is what I'm, what I'm trying to say. Um, but I think the Bible does give us that breadth of, of understanding. You know, you do have moments where you hear of God talking to Moses face to face as one talks to a friend. Then you have Isaiah, you know, who falls on his face and, 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 and it, just overwhelmed with the holiness of God. Then you've got in Jesus, you've got the kind of the power as he clears the temple and, and drives out the money lenders alongside the compassion as he stoops down to, 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 to pick up the woman caught in adultery, alongside the rebuke of the disciples and Peter, get behind me, Satan, alongside the vulnerability. I have called you friends. And then the risen Jesus, we both see the, 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 the desire of, of of God throughout the New Testament to to want want us to be close to Him, the image of Abba Father, but also the vision of John in Revelation of of the of the man like you know, of God like a son of man who 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 John falls at the feet of. All of that gives us this kind of hopefully this picture of the personal and the powerful God, and we have to maintain that intention. It's one of, I think one of the things about getting older as a Christian is you you have to learn faith intention. And, and, and hold, hold that as one tension we have to maintain. So I guess uh, providing that we do sort of see God as our friend, how do we cultivate that friendship? We've talked a lot about sort of cultivating friendships within our friends, but yeah. how do we cultivate friendship with God, do you think, Phil? I think the values are the same. So I think, I think if you look at, you know, I think if you look at kind of the values of time, presence and vulnerability, it's a great start. So great start. How often, how often, you know, I, I try and have my quiet times in the morning. How often am I really tempted to go, I'll read a psalm and then I'll get on with my day. Mm. Is, is, if I did, just did that every day, I'm not sure that would lead to the depth of relationship that I aspire to or God wants for me. So I know that at my best, I, I really set aside and prioritize and give God my best time. Give God my best in terms of spending extended time, not just reading a psalm, but going through a, a journey of prayer, really delving into his word, really spending time in silence. That time piece is really important. Then when we think about presence, you know, we, we talked about being present, you know, make sure our mobile phone is turned off or in a different room when we spend time with God, not 
just you know we read something in the bible all oh, my followers i love that on twitter you know <laughs> that's, that's probably not the best way to be present with god you know when we go to church are we are we a, going to church you know i think one of the things in my role at the evangelical alliance i've observed church attendance is changing sometimes some of us when we don't, when we've got any other any excuse not to be there we won't go but even if it's not our cup of tea even if the preachers not what we what we'd like even if the songs aren't our favorites we still go to church um and then kind of vulnerability there's something in the mystery of knowing jesus where even even though he knows our hearts anyway even though psalm 139 search me oh god i know my heart test me and know my anxious thoughts god loves to hear our our, our passions our hopes our dreams our challenges our fears um and I'm, I'm us being honest with God. Um, and, and sometimes that's that's often the antidote to the guilt, the shame, the pain that we feel, being really open-hearted and open-handed with God. All of those things contribute, I think, to, to, to growing that friendship with, with God. We need to take a short break. But before we get back to the discussion, I want to invite you to take a look at a new unbelievable course. It's called Did It Really Happen? The Birth of Jesus. Perhaps you've been asked questions about the historicity of Jesus, or maybe you have questions of your own. We've made an in-depth course with experts and theologians diving into the historical accuracy and arguments for and against the Jesus birth narratives. You will be guided through all areas of the discussion with N.T. Wright, Emil Ewing, Daryl Bopp and others. Check it out by visiting premierunbelievable.com slash courses. You're listening to Unapologetic from Premier Unbelievable. I mean, one of the things you say in the book, which I think you sort of framed it really well you say don't give god your dregs i want yeah. to give my best friend my best time what? why do you think we are so bad at prioritizing time with god yeah and again speaking personally yeah i feel the same tension every day probably i, I mean let's let's be honest we're living in a world where where the apps on our phone are 10 times more appealing because of the kind of instant hit that they give rather than the, the, the depth of, of, no, of knowing God. That's, you know, let, let's be aware of the context in which in which we swim. Let's be aware of the fact that most of us have demanding jobs, demanding families, uh, demanding church lives. And, and from the moment we wake up, we're like, we're on, you know, we're, we're ready to go. So the, the, to fight against that with, I'm going to choose to get up early. I'm going to choose to sacrifice sleep. I'm going to choose to to not do that thing and put the phone down and not do that job. And, you know, the great definition of Sabbath is, is is acting like the work is done, even if it's not. There will always be things to do. There will all be, always be lawns to mow and golf games to be played and TV to watch and t- things to things to uh, to put on social media. It's re- life is relentless and, and there is a battle to be to be faced. But every single time spending time with God, developing that relationship it is worth it. Now, you list a few ways um, that you prioritise spending time with God. You've you've sort of touched on some of those already, but you also talk about kind of sitting at, uh, in your house at the kitchen table with a Bible commentary or going for a walk early in the morning. I guess as I was sort of reading that, I was thinking, 
what does it look like in those seasons where actually it might be really difficult to do yeah. some of those things? Maybe you're a single parent with a demanding job or you've got a baby that doesn't sleep. So yeah. kind of getting up early just isn't really a thing because you're not really asleep in the first <laughs> place. I mean, yeah. do you have any thoughts about how we do Sabbath, how we do yeah. prioritizing God in those seasons where it is really difficult to do some of those things that you've yeah. sort of listed in the book and have talked about? Yeah, I think first of all, rec recognizing the seasons is a really health, really, really healthy thing to do. So when, if you've got a young child, which I've been through that season a couple of times, knowing that that that's not going to last forever. <laughs> and, and actually, you know, it, it, is it, is it, is it okay, you know, to spend a bit less time in a quiet time? Yeah. Yeah. Of course it is. But I think it's about our heart in this. And sometimes myself included, we could use seasons of life as an excuse mm. to say, I'm not going to do it, not going to spend time. I think God knows our hearts. God sees our hearts and, and God knows whether we're using the external factors and demands of life as an excuse or as a, you know, or, or as, a, as a genuine thing. And God understands that's okay. You know, I, th I think it depends on our view of God. God isn't a kind of taskmaster demanding our time, but we recognize that that God really does want to spend time with us. And my experience as a, as a kind of parent of young children, as a, someone who's had demanding jobs, uh, there's a lot of perspective that you, you gain and get when you spend that intentional time with God that actually helps the rest of the rest of your life. But of course, when I'm retired, I will hopefully spend more time with God <laughs> than I do now at a slightly different demanding life stage. But relationship is costly. So let's hold that intention with actually relationship with God is our life. And if we fail to invest in that friendship, we, you know, Jesus says, if you remain in me and I remain in you, you know, that, that's, that you're like, you're like a connected vine. If you're not connected, you'll be thrown into the fire. So it's no good having everything else and being thrown into the fire. That remaining in God doesn't always have to look like a two hour quiet time, but we have to find ways to make that happen and prioritize time, presence and vulnerability with God. I mean, you've definitely touched on all of this already, but do you have any top tips for prioritizing and pursuing the presence of God? Uh, yeah, again, haven't got this nailed, but for me, what that looks like, first thing is if I don't do it when I first get up, I'm in, I'm in trouble, basically. So I, 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 for me, it has to be cup of tea, kitchen table. I'm also a very, people, people I'm su surprised when they hear about this with me, quite a liturgical player, prayer. Because, because I think my mind is all over the place. I need structure. So I actually have a prayer book that I work through. But again, that's probably only been a relatively recent last five years development. Um, and, uh, and has led to a good, you know, good discipline. I think also not beating yourself up when you miss a day. Um, but recognizing come back again. I think for me, it's the tension of duty and delight. So often mornings, I just, I don't, I don't feel like getting up and the first thing I do is spending time with God. I've had a late night for whatever reason or I'm struggling or whatever. Sometimes I don't, but it's the duty. Whereas some mornings I bound out of bed. I'm like, I can't wait to read the next bit of my Bible or whatever. So, so I think recognizing and, and both are important, both the duty and delight in that tension that we've talked about are really important. Um, and I think then, um, not only the kind of daily, weekly rhythms, but also those times when you're away and you've got that bit, that bit of space. So for me, I'm a nature guy. I love being out in nature. I love, you know, standing on the end of a pier or at the top of a mountain or sitting on a hillside and, and just drinking in the moment, but also recognizing my oneness with the creator at that time, listening to him. That really 
blows my mind. Hello. Phil, thank you so much. We're going to be hearing a bit more about the best of friends and the influence that C.S. Lewis had on some of your thoughts about friendship in in another podcast, in the C.S. Lewis podcast. But for now, thank you so much for everything you've shared, Phil. It's been so helpful. Thanks, Rachel. As always, you can find out more about our guests through the links with today's show. We would love to hear your feedback. Do drop us an email with your thoughts at unbelievable at premier.org.uk or get in touch via social media. And don't forget, there are more shows, articles and resources at our website, premierunbelievable.com. You can also register there for the chance to win a free book. That's premierunbelievable.com. And if you enjoy listening to Unapologetic, please do consider rating and reviewing it. Thank you for listening and see you next time. You've been listening to Unapologetic. For more shows, resources and our newsletter, visit premierunbelievable.com.